Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1803. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah! Today I'm in Evansville with a very special returning guest by the name of, you've heard of him, Dennis Gage. Dennis, welcome back to Cars Yeah! My friend, do you have it in gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? Oh, you bet, Mark. Really good to have you back here, and something I didn't ask you when you were on the show before, and for my long-term listeners, you have to go all the way back to March 2015, guest number 200, when Dennis was so kind to give a new podcast guy a chance and come on my show and, and be be on the show and give me some guidance on how to interview people and talk to people. I, I don't know if you've ever kept track of how many you've done, but I want to ask you this before I give you a proper introduction. What's one little thing that maybe most people don't know about you, Dennis? Uh, wow. <laughs> Gee, I don't know. Uh, I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot of weird things. Well, you know, it might be. Uh, it might be. I was the guy that actually was uh, the only guy able to do uh, the analysis of uh, Mount St. Helens volcanic ash using a laser uh, argon ion laser technique that I had developed. And uh, I was able to analyze it for the uh, crystalline silica content, which was a, a, a health hazard potentially to those of us living in that area when Mount St. Helens erupted. So that might be a side thing that most people don't know. You think? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, one of the things that maybe some of you don't know about Dennis was if you go all the way back, he's got a PhD in chemistry, majored in chemistry and physics. You were going down this scientific path and then all of a sudden you took a little detour, fork in the road, if you will, right? Well, I'm a I'm a detour kind of guy. I mean, I took detours way before that. I mean, I was, you know, I was uh, I did the science thing in undergraduate school. Uh, you know, I'm just a small town country boy. <laughs> Grow up on a farm, go to college, did the science thing, but didn't know what scientists did. Quit, you know, went and got a job in that. Went, boy, I don't want to be a technician. Came back, you know, blasted through the rest of the science and, and got that. But then decided to be a musician and, and uh, took two years off between degrees and. Uh, you know, like played and toured with bands. So then I went back to science. So I took that detour yeah. and then, and that clearly was going to shorten my life expectancy as a, as a career. So I always say I made the decision to go to graduate school, staring down the barrel of a 45 in Selma, Alabama, back in like 1974 or something like that, 75. And uh, so then I went into science and did all the science stuff and the product development stuff, then took the weird turn into television so it's you know yeah <laughs> all over the place whiplash whiplash yeah a little bit well i find it fascinating and i think it's pretty cool so it's what cars is all about people that have figured out a way to wrap their passion for vehicles into their lives and my gosh i don't know too many people have done it better than you have for as long as you have so let me give you a proper introduction here and we're going to dive into your world dennis gage is the owner of mad stash 
Yep, that's right. Mad Stash, a production company. And I'll tell you, if you could see him today, he's got the Mad Stash going. He looks ultra cool, I think. I, I, I need, maybe <laughs> I need to do that. I've got no hair at all. So I'll, uh, I'll well, this, work. The place on my head hair will grow. So I just make the most of well, it. Well, there you know. go. Yeah, absolutely. Mad Stash is a full service multimedia company specializing in television programming, corporate videos, commercial production, 2D and 3D animation, DVD authoring, and web design. But no doubt you know him as the host of My Classic Car, now in production for its 26th season. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. The longest running show of its kind in television history. He's reached over 100 million households in the U.S. and many times that worldwide. In addition, Dennis is the executive producer of the motorcycle television programs Trippin' on Two Wheels and Corgan's Ride On and the reality series Texas Hard Tales as well as an independent film he did titled Novum. Past Karsia guest Fireball Tim reconnected Dennis and I because Dennis is the focus of one of Tim's newest coloring books titled Orphans and Oddballs. We're going to learn about that. But first, a word from our valued sponsors. So keep the seatbelts on. We're here with the great Dennis Gage. And we'll be right back. Are you heading out on the highway for a road trip this summer? I can't wait to hit the road. Covercraft makes quality protection for the inside of your vehicles while you're traveling. Their plush custom fit mats or Berber mats turn any ride into something special and are easy to remove and clean after days on the road. Covercraft floor mats are the ultimate protection from moisture, dirt, mud, snow, and slush. Just about anything you can throw at them. Don't forget your vehicle's trunk area too. Their Carhartt custom cargo liners not only look great, but they keep your rear cargo areas and seats protected from the sun and those accidental spills. Custom fit truck liners for sedans, coupes, and SUVs are perfect to protect the factory carpet from all those things that can stain and damage the floors. All your options are quality made, easy to clean, secure to the floor, and look oh so good. Check out Covercraft.com for a wide variety of styles, colors, and options for a custom fit. And I've got a special offer for you. If you use the code ya 21 that's Y-E-A-H-2-1, at Covercraft.com, they'll give you 10% off your Covercraft order. That's right, 10% off. Simply use the code ya 21 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. I was tired of my rates for my collector car insurance going up every year for no explainable reason. My carrier seemed to be turning into a media company versus an insurance company. And I realized that a portion of my policy premium was paying for all those so-called free media goodies. So I did my homework. I talked to knowledgeable collectors, shopped around, and discovered American Collectors Insurance. They've been serving the collector car hobby since 1976. You last that long by properly serving your customers' insurance need, not with a lot of fluff. ACI is ranked the number one online collector car insurance provider, according to Google, Trustpilot, Facebook, and they offer their real person guarantee live support. No never-ending phone loops when you need help. Plus, because you don't use your classic car as a daily driver, you could save up to 40% compared to regular auto insurance. American Collectors Insurance provides agreed value policies. So if you experience a total loss to your collector vehicle or it's stolen, you'll be paid the amount listed on your declaration page, less any deductibles, of course. No ifs, ands, or buts. 
Give them a call today and ask for your free quote at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of mine, Mark Greens, at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. All right, Dennis, we're back. So let's dive a little deeper into uh, this world that you're in, you know, when I look at your resume and the detours, as you said, the whiplash detours, you're doing a whole lot more stuff than I think maybe some people realize because they are so used to seeing you on television as this host and, and traveling the world and looking at these cool cars. So there's a lot of facets to your world. Uh, yeah. Well, it was, uh, I'm just a curious guy. I mean, I think that's the, um, that's the, 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 the thread that runs through everything. I'm fascinated by a lot of stuff. I'm curious, and I always like to learn. I learn from everybody I talk to, and in all, I mean, whether it's about cars or science or music or you know, I mean, I, I try and learn from everybody I talk to, uh, and I got this ridiculous memory, near photographic, which is a curse actually. But but because of that, my head's you know full of all sorts of useless junk. Um, <laughs> but that's uh, I think it's my curiosity that. Uh, uh, that, that really propels me, whatever, uh, whatever direction I happen to be streaming at that, at that time. Well, they say curiosity kills the cat. I don't know about that. I think what it does is it makes life really, really interesting. I have friends who are physicians and physicians are lifelong learners. They have to be, I mean, it's like they're, be, they're in college, grad school all the time. But for many people, they kind of do their job. They go through life and they wonder why they're getting bored. And I think it's because they're not learning they're not investigating new things all the time i would assume for you that has been the way that your life has been so magnificently fascinating and you just keep doing more and more unique things but but i think you i actually think you hit on it and and uh when i get to the point that i'm not learning anything more in a particular field i go do something else it's it's really it's it and it's not it's it's kind of bored um but it's almost more just you know i just I've hit that plateau of learning. You know, I've, you learn so fast at, at first, and then you get to the point where you know it kind of levels off. And, and, and at that point, I want to be on a more steep learning curve, and that's that's what usually triggers my oh hey look at that it's a little bit squirrel squirrel yeah you know? <laughs> shiny object um, syndrome it's like squirrel <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, and then I go I kind of go after that squirrel for a while. So I think that's I think that is the thing. I, I I'm curious, but then at the point that I've kind of maxed out. As much as I think I can learn about that thing, or at least in you know in a, in a finite uh, uh, amount of time, then I go do something else. Now, how is that related to the fact that you've been in television for a, a massive amount of time? I mean, you've set a record here with a show. Is it because every time you do a show, you're with somebody different, different kind of car, different person, some different setting that keeps it interesting? I think I think what it is is that um, the other thing I am is extremely observant. You know. In my show, and it's even, you know, it's, it's kind of being the, the underlying theme of the, the coloring book, this whole orphans and oddballs thing, that, that I've, I've done this show for a long time, so long that I have, you know, very early on, I was like Cuda Camaro Mustanged to death, uh-huh. you know, and, and not that I don't love all three of those cars and have owned all three of those cars, but it's like I can go to any show and I can see them and they're great, but I'm always, you know, because I get bored somewhat easily, I'm always looking at a show for something I've, I've never seen. Or and I and I'm pretty good at finding something fascinating in almost 
any car. You know, I mean, I could it, because I am inherently observant and curious and stuff. There's always I can usually find something that's like, huh, what is that? Or I don't know about that. Tell me about that. So what I found is that I have I haven't tapped this field out yet. I go to shows all the time, but I still go and I always find stuff that catches my eye mm -hmm. that is like, huh, that's interesting. I haven't seen that before. And then usually, you know, I mean, and I'm a chatty kind of guy, you know, I'm a, I, I like, I like talking to people. Like I say, I like learning from people. So, you know, and chatting with the owner uh, who uh, knows everything there is to know about it. I mean, that, that, I think one of the reasons that the, the, the show has lasted as long as it has is because I've never put myself in the position of an authority I'm simply the ultimate enthusiast. And I, the authority is the person that owns that car and knows it inside out and everything. So, so you know, I mean, I'm, I'm there to kind of learn and understand this thing, whatever that thing was about that car uh, that, that fascinated me. So to, to date, uh, I haven't gone to a show yet where I went, huh, huh, I, I think I've seen all of this, you know. So I haven't hit that yet. If, if I do, I'm going to be worried. <laughs> Would you say what I've discovered, you know, you were my 200th guest and then now you're 1803. So I've talked to a few people since you were last on the show. And one of the things that I've learned is that this car industry is full of not only unique vehicles, but more importantly, really unique individuals, the people behind the car. Have you learned that that's takes almost more importance than the actual vehicle? At least that's what I've learned. People have told me, aren't you going to run out of people to talk to us and, you know, well, no, because there's so many cool people in this industry. Yeah, I think that, I mean, I think that's true in general. Um, you know, and it is, I mean, it is a cool industry. You know, I've been associated with SEMA for 25 years, you know, the Specialty Equipment Market Association. And it's, you know, I mean, it's, it's a cool industry. It's, it's like, you know, you go to the SEMA show um, and that's, a, you know, I mean, there are, there are plumbing shows, you know, there are concrete shows, oh, yeah. but they don't have, you know, you don't have the same passion for that subject matter when you go to a trade show about plumbing, but you go to a trade show about cars, SEMA. It's you know, I mean, people are into it. So I think that's that's one thing. It's a cool, uh, it's a cool category. I think there's interesting people everywhere. The thing about the car hobby is it it, it aggregates them. You know, it aggregates this the section. Uh, we have a reason to come together. We get together for car shows. It's, uh, like a lot, of, there's a bunch of interesting people out there. But there's not necessarily a, a, a chance to meet them. The neat thing about the car uh, hobby is it aggregates a bunch of people. And inherently, there's some pretty interesting people there, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Now, this brings me to an interesting collaboration you're doing with our mutual friend, Fireball Tim. And his, color yeah, his coloring book series. I was really excited when he said, hey, I'm doing one about Dennis titled Orphans and Oddballs. Now... Tell me a little bit about that and how you got lumped into that category. Well, it was, um, you know, I really didn't know Tim, uh, and he reached out to me. I thought it was a cool concept, and, you know, and I, I looked at his, some, some of his work that he's done, and I like, uh, I really like his style. I mean, he's an interesting, he's an interesting cat to begin with, but, but he's an interesting uh, artist. Uh, he, uh, I describe it as uh, pretty literal renderings in fantasy situations you know so he's he renders these cars pretty literally you know, a little bit of artistic license but pretty literally but they're in these really fantasy environments 
And so I, I find that kind of cool. Um, so he's like, well, you know, you're the car guy, um, you know, uh, you're the you know classic car guy. We could do a you know one about classic cars or muscle car, and, and uh, it, it's really hard to to you know. What do you mean when my classic car is absolutely absolutely the worst name for a show ever? I I've never liked the name of the show, frankly. <laughs> oh, you do classic cars. Well, yes, but my definition of classic is anything anybody thinks is cool. So it's pretty broad. Right, um, yeah. And you know, it's not the you know, it's not the antiques or it's not the true classics. It's it's everything. You know, it's just everything. And like I say, I, you know, I, I'm always looking for stuff anymore. After doing this for over a quarter century, I'm looking for the the car at a car show that I haven't seen before that you know that's kind of off the beaten path so and that's really what my shows kind of become known for it's like you know i can always watch that show and see something i've never seen and uh and it's true (laughs) it's usually absolutely there's going to be something you haven't seen and so that seemed to be i think that defines my show really and kind of defines my curiosity and and uh and and you know kind of breadth i i think this is this is a way broader hobby than a lot of people maybe think, you know, because you you tend to be in silos and it's not as bad as it used to be because you used to be a Chevy guy, damn it, or a Ford guy, damn it, or, you know, right. and, and, and now you could be a Chevy guy, but you go, oh, well, 56 T-Bird's actually kind of cool, you know, you know, so I think it's, it's, uh, we look a little bit more broadly, but man, it's really a broad hobby. And so, you know, I thought that this, this idea of taking some of the weirder cars that, uh, I've come across, you know, the oddballs, or the orphans, you know, or orphan marks, you know, that marks that were there and aren't anymore, Studebaker, even Plymouth. Those are orphan marks. And you could put together a pretty interesting series of cars and then turn Fireball loose on those. And I think he came up with a, you know, a really cool book. I mean, and there's everything in there from, well, in fact, the cover's got a, a Heinkel, you know, micro car, the bubble car, the, the Trojan 200 and it's it's got a you know fifty five Cadillac concept uh, Valkyrie you know so it's got all these weird uh, twenty eight Martin Aerodynamic which I shot at the Lane Motor Museum which is an amazingly cool place in Nashville Lane Motor Museum Jeff Lane the founder was guest number sixteen fifteen I believe really weird stuff but that's where I saw and rode in a, in a, a Martin Aerodynamic so that's what really you know. It was like, okay, I, I like that theme. I like that kind of, let's go weird. Let's go, you know, stuff that sort of d- defines the eclectic nature of my show and uh, and my car desires. And and uh, so I picked 20 cars and, you know, fire, Fireball, uh, you know, he go do that voodoo he do and <laughs> resulted in a really cool book. Yeah. Um, I think all his work is good. He, he's got a book that he did with Sid Mead cars and oh. Sid Mead is this, you know, futuristic designer and stuff, which I wasn't really up on. And I learned almost uh, of that through, through fireball, but I saw these cars and went, damn, you know, that's really cool. And, you know, recognize some from crazy movies like Blade Runner and stuff like that. So I thought that was a beautiful marriage of fireballs kind of il- illustrating style and Sid Mead's, you know, crazy, you know, psychedelic imagination, automotive imagination, almost futuristic. So, uh, I came up with what I thought was an equally equally uh, diverse, one might say, weird um, <laughs> array of cars, and uh, and and Fireball nailed it. Yeah, he did a great job. I was so fortunate to have Sid as a guest on my show before we lost him uh, not too long ago, and 
fascinating guy. I'd remembered him back from my design school days way, way back when I was in college. And uh, yeah, he did some amazing things. Some of the books that he's done are pretty cool. But Orphans and Oddballs, you listeners can get your hands on this. I'll put links to it in Dennis's show notes page, or you can go to Fireball Tim's website and find all of his coloring books, uh, which are pretty cool. If you've got a young person in your life, or even if you're an old guy like me, I won't dare say like Dennis, but I'll say I'll include me in that. <laughs> oh, pretty old. <laughs> I think I think we're both about the same. We've been around for, for a while. When we think back to your life, Dennis, I've been asking my guests a new question, and that is about mentors, people who helped drive you in the direction, excuse the pun, that you ended up going down. Was there a mentor when you think back in your life that helped guide you? I mean, you become a mentor for so many other people in the industry from design cars, TV shows, and all of that. But was there somebody back in the day that was a guiding force for you? It's kind of interesting for me. Um, I think the person who had the biggest influence on me was really my grandfather. He, he was just a, again, I'm a, you know, farm kid. Um, and my granddad was just this guy that, um, could, he could kind of do anything. I mean, he, uh, you know, I mean, back in the day, he was he was the guy that um, uh, shooed all the horses in, in the neighborhood. Uh, he, you know, he had a forge. He was a blacksmith. He was, you know, farmer, and he delivered the mail with a team of horses and stuff. He got all the outlaw horses in the neighborhood that people couldn't handle. He, you know, he got those horses, and you know, he was always hanging around the farm, and and he he would just he design and build stuff, just crazy stuff. You know, I mean, you know, latches for gates and. You know, he had a he had a he had a patent back in like the early 1900s for a jet pump. This is the guy. You know, I mean, this this is farm this farmer that had an idea for a pump and actually went all the way to the patent office wow. and patented a freaking pump. Wow! And I just I just always you know he just seemed to be able to do anything uh, to me. That just really impressed me. And I I used to love to hang out with him. I loved to watch him you know work. And he could just he could fix anything. He could build anything. He could create anything. You know. Uh, <laughs> one of the great statements that was always made about him was, you know, and his name was Roy Gage. Sounds like a cowboy name, Roy Gage. Roy Gage, right, right. It's actually, it's funny because his name was really Howard. It was, it was Howard Leroy Gage, but, it, but nobody knew that. He was Roy Gage, you know. But they, but they always said, you know, Roy could go to a junk pile and find just the thing he was looking for. <laughs> you know I mean? And you would see him do that. He'd just go to a visionary. A, yeah. Just a you know, pile of scrap metal and stuff that we just, we would just save that crap, you know, on the farmers. And he would go there and he'd stand there for a while and then he'd pull something out. And it was like just exactly the thing he needed. He'd go turn it into something else. So there, so he was a big influence. I, I've had guys that are kind of like that, that, that I just find, I worked through undergrad school as the maintenance man. I was a farm kid, so I kind of knew how to do, do stuff. And I was broke and I had no money. And I, you know, so I, the first day on campus, I got a job and I got a job in the maintenance department. And they, uh, they sent me over to, you know, roller curler sorry, from Stan's over there, Stanley Bomberger, you know, find him and start with him. And this guy was, uh, so I'm this hippie, you know, this, this hippie college kid and Stan Bomberger was a 71 year old crotchety about, you know, the guy was about five, three, like a fire plug. He was the center for that college's football team in 1921. Um, <laughs> and the, you know, the guy hated hippies, but for whatever reason, Stan and I hit it off and Stan and I worked together for five years, the four that I was, you know, well, actually almost six, four that I was in undergrad. And then the two that I was playing music, but still kind of living in the area and working part-time with Stan. And, uh, 
you know, this is another guy that would, uh, uh, he was a bricklayer. He was actually, he, he was a, a chemistry major back in the 20s at wow. college. Well, maybe Crazy. that's why you guys clicked. I, it could be, but he never did that. He became a, you know, a builder and he was a bricklayer and a brick mason construction company owner and stuff. Built some beautiful houses. But he could, you know, I learned a lot. I learned how to do a lot of stuff from him. And I learned a lot of stuff because he would do anything whether he knew how to or not. And so, you know, if it came to brickwork or something like that. Stan was really good, but electrical? Stan shouldn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, Stan, I'll take care of that. And I didn't know what I was doing, but I would figure it out better than Stan. So that was another guy that had a big influence on me. And, and, and it was just, it's, it's funny. They're all people that kind of do things and create things and, and know how to make things. Make um, things happen, yeah. 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 So those are kind of uh, th- those are some really fundamental ones that don't seem to make any sense for, you know, for being a scientist or being a musician or being, you know, a TV host. That, that none of none of those make much sense, but those were people that, you know, stand out in my memory. Great memories. My grandfather was a cowboy in Texas, had a farm, a ranch, and the few times I got to visit him, I lived in Southern California, so it was a long way away. It was a long drive in the Vista Cruiser. Let's put it that way, because that's the car we always took over there. But when I got there, it was like being in an alien world for me. Horses and cows and this farm, and I remember shaking his hand was like shaking a brick. His hands were just these monster mallets, if you will. He wasn't a giant man, but yeah, he did everything and showing me around his farm. And I was always just fascinated by him. And I remember one time, he must have been probably 50 years old at the time. He said, hey, how many pull-ups can you do, Mark? And I was a surfer in Southern California, so I was pretty fit back then. I said, well, I don't know, 25 or 30. He goes, how many one-armed pull-ups can you do? And he jumped up on a rafter, grabbed it with his arm, and started doing one-arm (laughs) pull-ups. Like, yeah, you got me beat, buddy. You got me beat. We're going to take a short break and thank our sponsors again. We come back. I've got a bit of a challenge question for you. So keep the seatbelts on. We'll be right back. I've discovered Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market, driving, restoring, collecting, and discovering your passion for motor vehicles. Linkage is about experiences, opinions, and values. Linkage is an actual, informed, reasoned opinion based on first-hand experiences. A talented Linkage team covers the automotive world, the people who share your passion and mine, smart, considered, rational, and experienced opinions, ones you can learn from and grow. That includes our passion that drives auctions and the collector car market. So come with me and join us on this journey. Join Linkage. Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at LinkageMag.com. And when you go to subscribe, use the code CARSYEAH, and they'll give you $10 off at LinkageMag.com. Hey, fellow inspiring automotive enthusiasts, did you know if you subscribe at CARSYEAH.com, I'll send you my free filler-up book. It's an ebook filled with fuel, filler fun, and inspirational quotes from past guests here on Cars Yeah. Plus, you'll get a weekly wrap-up email from me every Friday, and your name will be in the hat for one of the many free giveaways here at Cars Yeah. Simply go to CarsYeah.com and click on the free book button, and boom, you're in the club. And don't forget to subscribe to Cars Yeah on your mobile podcast app, and you'll get the Cars Yeah show delivered right to your mobile device every day, absolutely free. Inspiring automotive enthusiasts, that's what we're all about. Here at Cars, yeah. Thanks for listening. So, Dennis, when you think of your career, 
looking over your career, no doubt you've met up with a challenge or two, maybe an obstacle, maybe even a big failure where you fell on your face. I want you to share one that really stands out for us. Walk us through that. But more importantly, what was that valuable lesson learned so you could come out positive on the other end? You know, I gave the commencement address at my undergrad school in, uh, in, seven, in 2017. Uh, you know, I'm actually a big proponent of failure and quitting. Um, I think both of those things are underrated. I think failure is an important thing, and I think quitting is uh, sometimes absolutely the right thing to do. You know, that a lot of people get stuck in dead-end jobs and, you know, but don't do anything about it because they're trading some false sense of security uh, for, you know, the unknown. You know, I'm going to, I'm worried about this, and this false sense of security, when sometimes really the right thing to do is just quit. I quit. Yeah. And great things can come out of quitting. And And really, I mean, that's... Uh, I mean, heck, I mean, uh, the, the, my classic car came out of quitting. You know, I'd done, I'd done, you know, 10 years at, uh, at, at Procter & Gamble as a product development scientist and then product development manager. And then, you know, five years as global product development director for a Bristol-Myers Squibb company. And, you know, it was kind of this rising star corporate science, R&D, product development stuff. But you know, sometimes you come up against something you just, uh, just it's just not going to work, you know. And, and uh, in the Bristol-Myers thing, there, it was kind of a, a revolving door at the executive level. And I, I was only there five years, but I uh, survived. There were three CEOs in those five years. Three I, in five yes, years. I survived two of them, which, you know, was amazing. But the third one and I just kind of, you know, clashed swords. And, you know, it just... It just uh, Part of it was I had too big a following, and this was a guy that needed to be leading a parade, and, uh, you know. And you know, and some of these people, you know, any good, uh, any good coup, uh, you know, the leader will come in. The first thing they do is execute the royal guard. Yes, you just <laughs> sure that they're, you know, they're, they're, you know where the loyalties lie, and you know. So first of all, we get rid of the royal guard, and so even though I'd only been there like you know four years at the time he arrives, I was kind of, you know, there. So you know, so we just didn't we didn't hit it off, and and so. Uh, after you know trying to figure out a way to make that work a lot of different ways, I was actually in Bangkok, Thailand, when I resigned. Wow. Yeah, I said I quit. Screw this. I can't do this anymore. Yeah, this isn't working for me. Uh, didn't even know how I was getting back to the U.S. at that point. Called my wife from from Bangkok and said, "By the way, dear. By the way, <laughs> I'm in Bangkok and I just I don't I'm not I'm unemployed." <laughs> uh, right. And I had, uh, you know, I had been playing with the show for a year at the time. So I thought, you know, I'm going to just, I'm going to go do this television thing. And I quit. And, you know, I got a good enough background and a good enough resume and stuff that if this doesn't work out, I'll just go back into corporate R&D someplace. I'll be fine. But I quit. And, you know, and just, uh, you know, cold turkey um, 26 years ago. Yeah, there you go. And, you know, started the the show and actually... Uh, it, and, the, and the other, you know, big challenge to fight through was that, you know, it, it, it looked like this was all a go and we needed to do this. And we'd gotten a contract after the pilot series was so, so good, uh, so well received. We got a three year contract and we just needed to get producing the show because by golly, you know, it's going to full weekly series premieres in 97, January 1st, 97. We got to get done. And we just need the we need a small business loan to do this because it's, you know, a lot of money. Sure. And, but, and we got this contract, but it wasn't signed. Uh, it was signed and the bank's going, you know, yeah, this is great. We love you. Actually, 
we're very supportive, but we can't, you know, give you the loan until you get, you know, the signature on the contract. Right. And, but we had to be producing, and it was going to be, it was coming, it was forthcoming, it was forthcoming, and it just wasn't. And I, I, so I, I we needed the money, and what I did was I second mortgaged my house. Oh, yeah, um, brave bold luck, move. Like, yeah, and so not only did my wife had to receive the phone call from Bangkok that says I, I resigned my corporate job. Um, but we're, by the way, we're also, you know, a few months later, by the way, we're second mortgaging the house to fund the production of the, you know, yeah. this venture. So that was, that was tricky. Uh, it did, you know, in, in the 11th hour, the contract did finally get signed. I was able to pay back down, you know, get, get the house back basically. Right. Sure. And, and the rest, as they say, is history. But had it not been for, uh, that signature, I would have had the most expensive home movies in the world. And no home to to watch them in. Um, yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. That. Well, let me ask you this question then. For people out there listening that I think most people know when they're getting too comfortable and they're not in the right place. But you're right. There's that sense of security, which I think even if you work for a big company, if you think your job's secure, it's never secure. Ever. At any, no, at any moment, everything could change behind the scenes, the curtain, and it opens and you go, what happened to my life? So what are the maybe one or two things that you would advise someone who's listening that's in that place? They're starting to realize, ah, maybe this isn't the right place for me, but I, I can't do it. I can't risk anything. What are a, a few signs that you saw that made you help, help you realize this is the right thing to do, despite being in Bangkok and owing money, money to the bank? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, well, I think... Uh you know, I mean, it, it is a, it's a risk. It is a risk. There's no, you know, you can't sugarcoat that. Um, and not, you know, not everything turns out, you know? So, you know, if you're, if you're going to make a move like that, you have to know that, you know, that there's upsides and there's downsides and, and, but you have to kind of, if you're going to do it, you got to go do it and give it your all. And I think you can also kind of, you know, keep an eye on that and set a limit basically and say, look at, you know, like I said, if, if the show hadn't taken off, plan B would have been, you know, I'll go do something else. Or I'll go back to doing kind of what I was doing and branch off a different way. You know, so, so sort of what, you know, what's your escape? What's your fallback versus, you know, uh, we'll work for food signs on the corner. And, and I think, but I think all the way along in, in, and if I had to boil down life advice, which I think I can do uh, into two words, I think my, you know, it, it's really just pay attention. You know, there's so much opportunity and there's so much going on all around you all the time. And all you have, if you're just, if you pay attention, you go, huh, that's interesting. But most people aren't paying attention. And so they don't know anything. You know, their nose is so close to the grindstone that, and they don't even like the grindstone, but that's all they can see. And so what else are you going to do? You, you know, even when you're on the grindstone, you have to look up every now and then, just kind of look around because there's stuff going on stuff going on all around you. And if you just pay attention, it's amazing what reveals itself to you. It's like, oh, that's interesting. What if I did this? Yep. You know? And it really, like I said, I mean, I, if I had to give two words to, you know, graduating, uh, you know, college student or something like that, it's, it's you know, just pay attention. Not, not even, I mean, kids, high school kids, you know, college kids are, adults it's just <laughs> adults. attention you know because there's a lot going on keep your peripheral vision open see what's going on be curious and and take you know take a chance every now and then it, you know yeah 
Great two words. Pay attention. And another key thing there, ask great questions uh, all the time for sure. Now, you're a guy who's done a lot of different things. So when you look forward into your life, do you have another big bucket list item you'd like to accomplish? Something you're thinking about out there? Uh, no, you know, I, I'm really, you know, pretty happy. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> I never, I didn't set out to do what I'm doing. I don't think I've ever set out to do what I've done. Um, it, again, it's, it, these things kind of reveal themselves to me. I got to believe I'm going to be doing, there's still a few, a couple, three more things for me. I don't know what they are, at, at, you know, at this point. They'll, You're just they'll paying be attention for when I, they come along, and, <laughs> that opportunity. And they reveal themselves yes. to me. You know, I mean, I, I want to, uh, uh, I'm starting to reclaim my life a little bit, you know, because uh, I'm, you know, here I'm a guy that my show's a location show. I fly 100,000 miles a year. And I have for decades, 100,000 miles a year. And I haven't been on a plane since March 8th, 2020. You know, so I was grounded. Uh, there weren't any shows, and I wouldn't have gotten on a plane to go cover them, even if there were during the pandemic. So I, I was like, I was forced into kind of at least a temporary retirement. It's like, oh, so this is what it's like. Not bad. Kind of like it. <laughs> you, know, you know, this things are starting back up. I love to get back out in the world. I'm doing a few things. Actually, I'll be at uh, Big Daddy Ed Roth's uh, Rat Fink Reunion. Whoa! Anti-Utah cool. in June. Cool. Um, it's at, at Big Daddy's house. Of course, he's gone, but yep. uh, yeah. you know, the, his house is basically a museum, and, and they have a gathering once a year. And it's very cool. I've been there before, and I'm coming back. I'll start to travel again. That's you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I've got some grandkids too. I'm you know looking forward to hanging out with them, and and just and again uh, playing with a lot of the. You know, I got a bunch of motorcycles. I got you know, a number of cars, and uh, I've never had time the time to give them the love and attention that they deserve. <laughs> yes. They're going to be getting that. And, you know, and, and when you when you fly 100,000 miles a year, even though I've been married 41 years to my high school sweetheart, we actually went to kindergarten together. Oh, my gosh. I kind of, you know, but I never saw her much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, when you're gone all the all time. Trips. I was, you know, I traveled all, you know, through Europe a bunch of, with Procter & Gamble and and then all over the world, Asia, South America, you know, Europe with uh, with Bristol Myers. And then for the last 26 years, at about 100,000 miles a year, all over North America, but, you know, uh, but Europe also and and, uh, and the Caribbean with the show. So I've gone, I was always gone a lot. This whole last year, I've been around a lot. That was an adjustment for both of us, but we kind of worked it out. Sure. And yeah. so, you know, so I'm looking to enjoy life and see what what presents itself. So we see what pops up in my path next. Yeah. I think it's wonderful. If there is, there are some silver linings out of this pandemic and what you mentioned is one of them. I hear this from many people, a reevaluation of life, a reevaluation that things can be different and maybe they should be a little bit different. And I know that you've moved your studio to home. I work from home as well. I've enjoyed that. Like you've said, yeah, a little bit of an adjustment from my old days of being at work 10, 12 hours a day, seven days a week. Now I'm here. My wife, I'm like, are you still here? Aren't you supposed to go somewhere? So uh, yeah, it's an adjustment, but it seems to be working out pretty well. Now, I didn't ask you this last time you're in the show because I didn't ask any of my guests this question, but it's a very interesting question. And that is, I'm going to crawl into your head. Be a little of the, the psychologist today. Put you on the psychologist couch. If you woke up tomorrow, Dennis, and you were manifest as a vehicle, this isn't what you want to be. This is your personality wrapped into a vehicle. What would you be? But the most important part of this question is why? 
it, well, you know, that, that's a, uh, be also many different things, but I think for, for me and, and, and how I view myself, uh, I'm, I'm, a uh, probably, a always been a Jag enthusiast. I think, you know, I mean, I had an E-type coupe back in the day and I love, uh, and I'm also, I'm a coupe guy. I'm not a, I'm not a roadster guy. You know, I think that, I think the E-type coupe and the, the XK Jags are beautiful. The, the, the Aston Martin you know, Vantage and stuff are the kind of the big brother of that. It's what those really would like to be. Sure. Um, you know, the Bentley Continental is sort of the, you know, the big daddy of all that, 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 oh, yeah. that category. But I think something like, you know, one of these later model, you know, uh, uh, Aston Martin Vantages, uh, something like that. Uh, and, and why it's just, you know, I, 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 uh, I am, you know, Anglo-Saxon, English, Welsh, uh, you know, ancestry. I, 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 I like English cars. Uh, I like the, you know, the, the sleek, sophisticated muscle is, is how I look at those cars, sophisticated muscle. I like the sleek lines and I'm much more of that than, a, than, a you know, Ferrari or, you know, so like, but I, I, I really, you know, I'm, I'm built about like that, you know, I mean, <laughs> pretty, you know, it's pretty smelt and sleek and, uh, and I fit, I fitted those cars real nicely. So, you know, I, I think I'm, you know, I think I'm a, probably a, a even though I love the early stuff, you know, I mean, I love the 275 GTP Ferrari and the, the, the early Aston Martins and sort of the E-type Jags, I just, I just love. But man, I'm telling you, this, this, this technology and some of these new Aston Martins, it's that, that same sleek, classic look, but in, you know, in this wonderful uh, technological package, that's kind of how I do. Yeah, be yourself. Uh, <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. Well, and with that stash you've got, you know, if you're in an open car, you might get too many bugs caught in that thing. So, yeah, well, imagine trying, you know, uh, motorcycling with it, you know, oh, gosh. And, uh, what are you wrapping around your head and tie it in the back? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's rough because if you're, if you got it all waxed up, which is how you have to, to, to do it, to curl it. I mean, that will then blast up across, you know, your glasses <laughs> yeah. and smearing across your glasses. Whack doesn't come off. And you're like suddenly riding blind and like, screw yeah. this. Um, I had thought about those difficulties. I'll have to think about that since I'm kind of yeah. a hairless guy. So I'll work that. You know, you've been a mentor to so many people over the years because of who you are, what you do, what you bring to the car community. Are there some ways these days you're finding to help others, to give back to others, to support others in the automotive sector? Well, I think that, you know, I mean, I, like I said, I've worked with SEMA for 25 years, been on the board of directors for a long time and select committee of the uh, Restoration Council and stuff scholarship committee. I mean, I do, I, I still do, you know, academic and industrial boards, but you know, and, and certainly in TV, I mean, so many shows out now can actually trace their lineage one way or another back to mine. You know, I put a lot of people on television for the first time, you know, people like D Dave Kindig and people like, uh, uh, you know, uh, welder up Steve, uh, Barnett, and, you know, if folks like that, you know, that, that have come through one way or another, sure. other people that, you know, want to launch shows and, uh, you know, I counsel a lot of people, this is a terrible business. It's a horrible business and a terrible try and start, start in now. So it's one of the things I counsel, but, uh, it's changed, hasn't but, it? Big time. Yeah. Yeah. It was never good. Now it's just awful, untenable. <laughs> but, um, but I think that as far as the hobby goes, and I think the hobby is a great thing, uh, at a lot of levels is I, I think that the best thing I can do and the best thing anybody can do uh, is to make it look like fun. You know, I mean, I, I've been in all these, you know, like with semen, with armor and stuff, and everybody's wringing their hands about kids and, you know, kids aren't getting into the hobby and stuff like that. And, you know, what programs do we need to have? And I hear you, but I just don't think you can kind of educate people into this. I think this is, 
you know, this is a passion driven thing. You don't educate passion. You know, you, you've got to make it look like fun. And then, you know, it's, it's the Tom Sawyer approach. You know, they're painting the fence and it's like Huck Finn comes along and, he's, and Tom convinces him that he'll he'll let him paint that fence for him if he would give him that dead mouse. You know, and, and it's it's like make it Tom was doing a job, but he sold it as, hey, this is this is great. Don't you want to do this? <laughs> sure. And I think too often um, in the car hobby in and this is this, this is getting better. But I mean, uh it was a little bit clickish, and it was a little bit, you know, if you don't have the right amount of grease under your fingernails, or you ain't one of us, or, or whatever, and thereby kind of exclusionary. Well, if you don't have kids coming into that, maybe it's because it looks like it sucks, you yeah. know? Yeah. It doesn't look like a fun place to be. But yeah. things, it turns out, it really is, and car shows really are fun things to go to, and I think the best thing you can do is to make this thing look like fun, Absolutely. you know, to get, get it in front of people and put it, you know... Put the best light on it you can. It is good, clean fun. It's it's a good thing to be involved in. It's a good thing to perpetuate. So so I think, you know, and even with the show, I mean, that's really my mission. My mission is to get people, and not just people that are already into the car hobby, but people that aren't, to go, hey, that looks like a good time. I heard there's a car show in town this weekend. What do you say to going on? Check it out. I'm kind of a by example guy. You know, I'm sort of like, uh, and people say, we, when they meet me, it's like, you know, gee, you're just like you're on TV. Yeah. And what you see is what you get, you know, and, and I am what I am. And I, and I kind of try and make the better, the world a better place. That's always been my mission and to spread that kind of by example. Well, you've done an awesome job and I can't thank you enough for it. <laughs> you really, you really have. It's a nice little segue into our last break here. And that's with my charity of choice, of choice, Tech Force Foundation, which are helping young people and older people get into the automotive industry. So give them a quick listen, and we'll be right back with the last couple of questions. How did you discover your path to a fulfilling life? Too many young people flounder in finding an education and a career that fits. But for those who have a passion for cars, trucks, and motorcycles, and who love working with their hands, problem solving, and fixing things, a career as a professional auto technician is incredibly rewarding. Cars yeah is pleased to team up with Tech Force Foundation, our charity of choice in bringing scholarships, technical education, and hands-on experience to young people so they can discover a possible future. Join me and lend your support by visiting techforce.org today. So we're back, Dennis. I always ask my guests about a book. Now, we mentioned Orphans and Oddballs, the coloring book by Fireball Tim, which features our guest today, Dennis Gage. Is there another book you'd like to recommend to our listeners? Well, here's, here's the funny thing with me is that I really don't read. Now, for an intellectual guy, what? Yeah, yeah isn't that interesting? And, and it's, I don't read for enjoyment because I'm actually mildly dyslectic. Ah, so. Okay. And that's one of the reasons I think science was always a good thing because my mind works that way. It's, you know, it's, uh, it's pretty logical, pretty mathematical. And I read in scientific literature and stuff. And, and you know, I'm, I'm quite a news hound and I read that, that stuff and voraciously. And I, you know, and I take things in in all sorts of different ways, but I'm not a big reader. And it's just because that's not really a pleasurable thing to me. I'm, I'm sort of, you know, I'm pretty hyper too. So I'm always <laughs> in something I do a lot. And, you know, probably the, the last book I read, and I might have even said this last time we were on together, but it was, it, it, it's just because Jay Leno's a good friend of mine, and, and you know, his first book uh, was uh, Leading With My Chin, yeah. 
just just the story, you know, just this little bunch of little vignettes, basically little short stories, bits, frankly. Uh, if you know his comedy routine, you'll recognize a lot of it through the book. But it's really it's, it's his life story, kind of told by him in these little snippets. It's very funny. I find Jay very funny. So so I you know, that's an easy read, and and he's a friend. And so, but but really. Uh, great literature, not my thing. Isn't that an odd flat spot? But it is. Yeah, no, I understand. I understand 100%. That book, I've got that book too. Bought it a long time ago, uh, Leading With My Chin. Still have it in my uh, automotive library since he's kind of a car guy, so I've heard. So, yeah, just a little bit. Well, maybe coloring books are your thing then. That's what you need <laughs> to be doing. And now you're in one. So, again, check out Fireball Tim's Orphans and Oddballs. I'll put a link to that book so you can get your hands on it here at Cars. Yeah. So, before I let you go today, I'm going to take you on the ultimate drive it's what i like to call here i have a magic scepter here on cars yeah i can make some very interesting things happen you get to pick the vehicle you're driving in more importantly one person who's going to be with you and this person could be living or someone who's passed could be someone way back in history or maybe that grandpa who knows Uh, i want to know what the vehicle is who that person is who's driving the vehicle and what are you going to talk about yeah, uh, you know, I mean, I uh, probably be in that Aston Martin, and I probably be touring around New Zealand, just because I'm kind of an adventurer, you know. And uh, and frankly, I'd probably be with my wife. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, just be cruising cruising New Zealand and Aston Martin, because that's you know, really, when I'm in a car and in a drive, I'm pretty absorbed with it. I'm not real chatty in a car. If I had to say, okay, and somebody asked me once, so you know, who are it was sort of the same question, but but it was you know, uh, you know, living or dead, you know, who you know who are you know three people you just you know love to sit down and talk with, and it was you know it was just kind of out of the blue and and uh, you know so it wouldn't be in a car because again I'm pretty focused, yeah. but you know I said well geez, uh, you know I'm a well Barack Obama I mean I I'd, I'd love to I'd love to talk with Barack Obama I think he's a fascinating individual I've always been a, an Albert Einstein fan uh-huh. you know I mean I've got I've got his photo on you know his his portrait on on my wall here and 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 famous you know imagination is more important than knowledge mm-hmm. quote uh so albert einstein uh, and then probably uh you know peter gabriel um <laughs> yeah. you know who i just think is a is, is a brilliant uh you know lyricist and musician and everything and so so i mean that's three kind of you know but those are people i just like to sit and, and sort of you know have a conversation with but it wouldn't be it wouldn't be in a car because i'd be focused on that car and that drive at the time and uh, and it'd probably be in New Zealand and it may as well be with my wife. <laughs> Wonderful country. Aston Martin in New Zealand. Couldn't think of anything better. What fun that is. Cause to me, New Zealand is kind of like the California back in the seventies. You know, it's just this still kind of wild, beautiful place. I've been watching a series when I jump on the treadmill every day called grand designs of custom built homes in New Zealand. It's an hour long show. So it gets my hour on the treadmill done. Uh, and I get to watch these. I love architecture. My dad was an architect, so it's kind of cool. But Peter Gabriel, funny you mentioned him. He's been stuck in my head for the last month and I keep listening to his songs and uh, that great song he did about uh, an activist in Southern South Africa who was murdered, uh, Biko. Um, yeah, yeah, and that sound can't get out of my head. It's like stuck in my brain. So now it's back. Thank you very much. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, very cool. So could you give us a little parting wisdom, word of wisdom or thought? You already said a great one, two words, pay attention. Would that be it? That would be it. Pay attention. Yeah, absolutely. I always say that I don't believe in luck. I believe it's when you're paying attention and an opportunity crosses your path and you jump on that because you're paying attention, right? Yeah, you're surrounded by opportunity all the time. 
You just are. Just pay attention. Absolutely. Absolutely. What are the many ways people can still keep up with the great Dennis Gage these days? Well, uh, well we're weekly on Motor Trend TV. And, uh, we're also on MAV TV. Actually, a couple days ago, they ran a 12-hour My Classic Car Marathon. I've never had that before. Um, like 12 solid hours. But I have a lot of content. Yeah. You know, Revan, certainly our YouTube channel is huge. And, you know, we stream on Pluto and uh, you know, we're on Amazon Prime. We're everywhere. Yeah. I mean, you just kind of put in Dennis Gage and boy, you'll find you'll find me all over the place. <laughs> Absolutely. And again, I'm going to put a link to the new coloring book, Oddballs, Our Orphans and Oddballs by Fireball Tim, our good friend. If you missed my talk of Fireball, you've been on the show a few times. So go back and listen. And if you want to hear an old show, uh, Dennis was great. I was still learning my craft, but he helped me along there. A show 200 when he was my first guest, one of my first guests here. On cars. Like I said, I'm pretty repeatable. If you go back to that, you'll probably hear some of the same stories. <laughs> Maybe uh, so, but <laughs> but we touched on some fun new stuff today. And Dennis, I can't thank you enough for spending some time with me again. I mean, you're one of the greats. You're someone that I look up in look up to as far as a host, someone who interviews so many people. Uh done my best to try to emulate some of the great things that you do. So thank you for your mentorship. To me, listeners, you can find everything on Dennis's show notes page here on cars yeah dennis until you and i cross paths again they let us out of lockup and we can go see some shows i think it's coming we're getting close closer closer <laughs> yeah thank you for spending some time with me today with the listeners here on cars yeah until you and i talk again my friend i'll see you down the road sounds good mark can't wait for the next time this has been great did you know that cars yeah is in the top one percent of all podcasts based on listenership according to Lipson the premier RSS feed for podcasts in the United States. That's right. And Cars Yeah! is the only five-day-a-week automotive-focused podcast for you to get your message into the ears of thousands of listeners daily from all over the world. Plus, DuPont Registry recommended Cars Yeah! is one of their top 10 car podcasts for you to enjoy. Cars Yeah! has experienced tremendous growth, plus your ads are evergreen, meaning they never go away. And more and more listeners find Cars yeah every day for their daily dose of automotive inspiration. Do you want to expose your brand to a highly targeted list of automotive enthusiasts in a very unique and very personal way? Well, I can help you. Contact me, Mark Green, at mark at carsyeah.com or through the website at carsyeah.com today to learn more. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.